0: Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. James chapter 3. I suppose if I tell you to turn there, I should turn there too. What do you think? James chapter 3. This is where we got into last week, and I just want to... Read a couple of quick verses just for the sake of review, and then we'll jump over to the book of Matthew and see what Jesus has to say about our mouths. But James does an amazing job here in James chapter 3, and let's look at, uh, let's see, I want to keep it brief here. There's, there's so much in this passage. Uh, let's just look at verse 2. It says, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. I asked you the question last week, what if it were possible to completely direct and steer the course of your life? What if it were possible for you to sidestep obstacles, not talking about avoiding conflict, I'm not talking about taking the easy way out, but we are saying, what if there were conflicts and issues and things that you that you could avoid in your life? Would you do it? Well, yeah, right? yeah, dumb question, Pastor Josh. Amen. Of course, we would you know i, I find I find it interesting that oftentimes human beings fall into patterns, and we fall into patterns of, of good patterns and bad patterns. Sometimes we fall into patterns of sin. Sometimes we fall into patterns that maybe aren't sin, but they're just mistakes, and they, they, they trip us up. They, they cause us to stumble. How many of you have ever dealt with something, and you felt like you dealt with it over and over and over and over again? you like, why do I keep crashing into this wall? Why can't I seem to get past this? Well, oftentimes when something like that is happening, it should be a signal to you and to me that there's a pattern going on in our life. And oftentimes a pattern needs to be adjusted with a little tweak. Y'all remember, um, if you didn't grow up in at least the 80s, or earlier, you won't know what I'm talking about, but for those of us in the 80s or earlier, y'all remember little bunny ears on television? That little antenna? Those of us who weren't you know, rich enough to have cable? And, and you would pull that thing out and you would extend those little tenna, antennas and then you would just have to tweak those things to try to pick up the signal. And one second it could be coming in clear and the next second it could be white noise and static. You know what I'm talking about? Well, how many of you know those... Those bunny ears were sensitive enough that all it took was a small adjustment to get the signal to come in clear. Oftentimes in our lives, what is required of us are small adjustments. To, to equal big changes and big progress in our life. So what if, you, what if you were having this pattern in your life where you keep butting your head up against the same problem over and over and over again, and what if all it took was just a small little adjustment in how you speak that could actually change that entire outcome? Would it be worth it? Totally. See, this is the argument that James is making here in James 3. He says, if anybody doesn't stumble in word... He's a perfect man. Now, I told you this last week, but it's worth reviewing. The word perfect here means the word mature or completed or finished. Imagine, imagine a car coming off the assembly line, getting ready to be taken to the store and sold to someone. It's perfect. It's perfect. It doesn't have any dings or flaws or scratches. Why? Because it just came off the assembly line. It's finished. It's complete. It's ready to be used. According to James, when you and I learn to control the things that come out of our mouths, we become like a car coming off the assembly line. We're mature, we're complete, we're ready to be used. See, God has a hard time, please, please get this, God has a hard time using people that can't control their mouth. Amen, ouch. God, God, listen, we limit God's ability to use us By not being able to control the things that come out of our mouth. When when calamity comes, when problems come, when disaster strikes, when issues arise in our life, what do we do? If we just fall to pieces and fall on the floor and melt and start cussing and get all frustrated and let all this stuff start spewing out of our mouth, God, God has a real hard time using a person like that. Amen. And it's not an issue of condemnation. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty or bad. But listen, if we keep bumping up against this same problem, hey, what if we were to take a step back and say, what if I just started tweaking and making little adjustments to the things that come out of my mouth? You would be, according to James, complete or ready to be used. What if we viewed the words coming out of our mouth as a training ground for God to actually be able to use us? Now we're cooking with gas. Amen? Amen. So he says, if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, watch this, able to bridle the whole body. And I wanna go into it because I talked about this last week, but we talked about the fact that all it takes is a little piece of metal, a little bit and bridle in the mouth of a horse to steer that 12 or 1300 pound animal. That's a big animal. And that's a small little piece of metal in that big animal's mouth. And that's all it takes is this little tiny tool to steer an entire animal. Likewise, or in the same way, your tongue, my tongue, our mouths are a little tiny tool in the hand of God. And if, if we can learn to control our mouths, if we can learn to submit our mouths to the, to the spirit of God, he can guide us in any way that he wants to. Amen? Now, we, we talked about, we, we looked at, uh, last week at Mark chapter 11 and we talked about How Jesus gave us a promise that if we would use our faith and speak faith-filled words, that we could literally speak to a mountain or a problem in our life, a blockage in our life, and speak to it and command it to move, and it would have to obey us. So first thought here is, well, let's get control of our mouth. The second thought is, what do we put in our mouth once we get the bad stuff out? We start to speak faith-filled words, amen? You ought not let doubt come out of your mouth. Amen. I'm going to say that again just for the people in the balcony. You ought not let doubt come out of your mouth. Listen, I'm going to tell you something that I've learned, and I've, and I've got to practice it this week when I wasn't feeling well. Don't agree with the symptom and the situation with your words. Don't agree. Amen. I'm going to meddle here for just a second to come out from behind the pulpit and meddle a little bit. Listen, don't agree With the negativity and the circumstance in your life. Agree with the word of God with your mouth. Amen. You see, this is why we put the word of God in. This is why we read the word and we get diligent about taking quiet time and spending time where we're absorbing the word of God. Why? It's because in the moment of need, what's in us needs to come out, and what's in us needs to be good if it's going to make a difference. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but this is what Jesus deals with in Matthew. So let's go look at that, actually, Matthew chapter 12. Don't agree with the circumstance. Don't agree with the symptom. You say, well, it feels weird to talk different than what I'm experiencing. Yeah, but the reality is what you're experiencing doesn't get to change unless you get to start speaking to it. And you're not, you're not going to speak to it with things that are uh, aligning with it. In other words, if I'm sick, okay, I was sick earlier this week. And if I'm sick, it does no good for me to lay in my bed and go, oh, God, I feel so terrible. Oh, I'm just so sick. How you feeling, honey? Oh, awful. (laughs) Tired. Miserable. I just wish this would go away. Now, listen, I've been there. I've done that. Haven't we all done that before? Of course. Nobody's perfect. But what would happen if instead of that, you and I got to a place where we started to take the word of God and apply it to our heart regularly? Regularly. So that when the problem showed up, we had some resource on the inside of us. And we could start to speak out of our mouths the things that the words say. Because what happens is the word is going to be contrary most often to the things that you're experiencing. The word is filled with promises from God. And the promises from God often are contradictory to the experience that you and I are having. So you get the promise in your mouth instead of the situation in your mouth. Amen. That sounds like a tweet. You get the promise in your mouth instead of getting the situation in your mouth. Hello. Look at Matthew chapter 12. I think I already told you to turn there, and I've been yabbering on here, so let me go and catch up to y'all. Matthew chapter 12. We're going to begin reading in verse 36. This is profound, y'all. Actually, we're going to begin reading verse 33. Jesus is speaking, you can tell because it's written in red. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. We say, well, what in the world does that have to do with our mouth? Oh, I don't know, everything? Here's the deal. The words that come out of your mouth are the fruit that hangs on your tree. Yeah. Amen. The words that we speak are the things that show up hanging on our branches. And Jesus is very, very interested in you and I bearing fruit. So he says, these make the tree good. And then if you make the tree good, then its fruit will be good. But if the tree is bad, then the fruit can't be good. In other words, good things can't come out of something bad. You can't get good apples from a dead apple tree, right? Likewise, when it comes to our our words, we have to take a very close examination of what's coming out of our mouth. Because if I want good results, I've got to speak good things. Let's keep reading. Verse 34, brood of vipers. This is funny. Snake babies. <laughs> brood, of, brood of vipers. How can you, watch this, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance, everybody say abundance. abundance. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is a principle that you and I need to absolutely have ingrained in our thinking. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I remember growing up and thinking to myself, I need to speak more faith-filled words. I was raised in a great home, and we were taught these principles as kids. Hey, listen, you got to learn to agree with God's word. And you got to speak the things that God speaks. And so I said, okay, I need to do more of that. And here's what I tried to do. I tried to just put a guard over my mouth and just not say the wrong stuff. And you can do that for a while, and that works. You can, you can stop saying the wrong thing. You can check yourself. You can let the Holy Spirit be on the inside going, "Uh, uh, don't say that. Uh." How many of you have had that happen before? You're just about to fly off the handle. You're just about to let it out. Abigail's raising her hand. You're just about to let it out, and something on the inside of you says, don't do it. Don't do it. Well, the first step is to obey that. Amen. Obey that. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you on the inside. Obey that. But what I was trying to do is try to produce good things without putting the word of God into my heart first. And here's the principle that I learned. Jesus says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What that means is that every single human being that's ever been created has been hardwired by God that you and I will speak whatever we're filled up with in abundance, Whatever we're filled up with in abundance is what is going to come out of our mouth. You and I, we can't short circuit that. God wired us that way. So if trash is spewing out of your mouth, you got to do a heart check. Amen. Oh, I know this is a real goosebumps kind of message. I know this is making you feel real good on the inside. Selah. No, here's the, here, guys, this is a hard reality, but it's worth getting. If, you, if you're to step back and do an assessment, what's coming out of my mouth? If you don't like what's coming out of your mouth, you got to check what's in your heart. you got to check what's in your heart. Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Meaning, what's the word abundance mean? It means too much, right? More than enough. Whatever your heart is filled with more than enough of is what's going to come out. You can have a little bit of faith in your heart and a lot of doubt and unbelief in your heart. Guess which one of those two is going to start spewing out the moment a problem comes? It's whatever you're the most filled up with. So this is not a condemning thing. This is Jesus giving us a clue. This is Jesus telling us how to adjust the bunny ears. Hey, just tweak it right here. Just make this little adjustment. Just make this little tweak. All you gotta do is do this. Put the word in your heart so that the word becomes the abundant thing that's on the inside of your heart, and then when problems come, you won't even have to worry about how you're gonna respond. What you're full of is naturally gonna come out. Glory to God, that's promising. That's exciting, amen? That's good news. Anybody ever taken a sponge, filled it up with water, and then squeezed it? What comes out? Water. Well, your heart's like a sponge. Your heart is a sponge. And and listen, there's stimuli coming at your heart all the time. Why do you think Proverbs chapter 4 says that we're supposed to guard our heart with all diligence? Why? Because out of it flow the issues of life. What does that mean? means that your heart is like a sponge and whatever you perpetually expose your heart to, it's going to soak up. And then when situations in life happens and you begin to get pressed, what's in you naturally will come out of you. That's why I said, God hardwired us this way. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You're never gonna change that arrangement. So what you do is don't try to change, the, don't try to change what's coming out of your mouth. Change what's in your heart and what's coming out will be good. Amen. <clears throat> I heard this this week, and it was so good. One of my favorite pastors, I was listening to him preach, and he was, talk, he was telling a story about when he was bear hunting. And he said that he was, I don't know where he was, Montana or Alaska or somewhere, hunting this bear. And they'd been tracking this guy for several days, and they'd finally hiked up into this holler back somewhere in this mountain. They knew they were getting close to the bear. And <clears throat> he was in position, and he'd loaded his gun. He had a, some kind of big rifle, whatever you hunt bears with. And he, was, he had the gun loaded. Bullets were in there. He was ready, ready for takeoff. And he started to hear the bear, and as he, re, as he realized what was going on, the bear was behind him. And so he turned and looks, and there's this bear like 30, 40 yards away. And he was able to very calmly... To get in position, take a shot, and he got the bear. And this is what he said. He said, What, what were y'all hoping that he died or something? <laughs> a couple of you are like, Oh. He said that the bear lost his life. Well, hunting is a thing, okay? So, <laughs> hunting is a thing. Listen, your, your bacon came from somewhere, okay? So just, Amen. Amen. I like what Aaron Jones says. He says, anytime I'm eating a steak, I always order two so that there's at least one vegan somewhere that doesn't count. Which I just just think that's awesome. Hey, man, sorry to offend the vegans. Now he got this shot off and he was able to, to get the bear. And what he was saying was, in the moment that he takes the shot, it's too late to load the gun. The moment that he takes the shot, it's too late to to load the gun. When you are there and the bear is present and you got your eye on the target, you can't be like, oh, shoot, where are my bullets? You're going to get eaten, right? This is what he said. He said, I loaded the gun at camp before I got into the situation. Likewise, you got to put the word in you before you get into the situation so that when the situation rears its ugly head, you got some ammunition, You got got something in the chamber. And here's the cool thing. The bullet goes bang when it comes out, not when it goes in. The bullet makes a sound when it's leaving the gun, not when you're loading it in. Sometimes you might think that reading your Bible's a little dry. You might think, oh, man, I'm not getting blown away today. You don't need to get blown away when you're loading the gun. You need to get blown away when it's leaving, going to take care of the enemy. Amen? Glory to God. See, if we don't like what's on the inside, check check the cartridge, man. Check the magazine. What's in your heart? What's there in abundance? Because that's what's naturally going to come out. Let's keep reading. This is such a powerful passage. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 35. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Notice that it doesn't say evil words or good words. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good words. No, Jesus already established that what's in you uh, comes out via via your words. What he's trying to help us to understand here is that your words ultimately lead to things. A good man out of the the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. If you want good things in your relationships, you got to start speaking the right thing. If you want bad, evil, corrupt things in your business, start trash talking things. If you, you, you follow what I'm saying? If you want your marriage to be strong and robust and healthy, then start speaking healthy things into your marriage and good things will start happening. You see how Jesus kind of turns a corner there a little bit? But this I say to you, verse 36, here's where we're going to camp for a minute. This I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Pretty amazing. For every idle word men may speak, they'll give an account for it in the day of judgment. Doesn't mean that you're going to lose your salvation. You know, we start talking about judgment day and people get nervous. Are you saved in here? Yes. Okay, well, you're going, you're going to heaven, all right? Praise God. You're going to go to heaven. On the way to heaven, each and every one of us are going to stop and have a meeting with Jesus. It's called the day of judgment. Amen. The judgment seat of Christ, the Bible talks about it. At the, at the end of the age, when all this stuff gets wrapped up, when Jesus comes back for his church, we're going to stand before him at the end of our days, and we're going we're gonna to give account for the things that we have done. And that's not a condemning thing. It's just, a, it's just reality. It's just an understanding that God put us on this earth, and he's actually kind of maybe paying attention to the things that we do with the time that we've been given. And and our words are no different because our words are folded into that. Your calling in God, your purpose in God, and, and, and the words you speak all go together. So there's gonna come a time where you and I are gonna stand before God and we're gonna give an account for our lives. And in that moment, the words that we say and that we've spoken are gonna be tested. And either they're gonna be good words or they're not gonna be good words. It's not gonna keep you out of heaven. It's just something, it's just a meeting you're gonna have with Jesus on the way there. Yeah. Amen. What did he say here? Every idle word men may speak. Why is that important? It's because no words are neutral. Come on now. Yeah. Amen. No words are neutral. Yeah. We think, we think, oh, that's good. This is a good word. This is a good thing. This is a bad thing. And then there's this whole gray area in the middle called neutral. And I'll be fine if I just live here. Well, no, I didn't, I didn't curse anybody. I didn't cuss nobody out. I've done pretty good today. Were you, did you actually speak anything of, of faith? Did you actually speak the word? This word, idol, is really interesting. It's the word argos in Greek. Argos, A-R-G-O-S. Argos, in case anybody wants to use it in a sentence at lunch. I say to you that for every idol, every argos word, men may speak, they'll give an account for it. The word argos in the Greek means literally lazy or careless. It's also translated... Throughout the New Testament, this word's used a handful of times, and a couple other places, it's not translated as lazy or careless, it's translated as barren. It represents the opposite of something productive. There are no idle words, or, excuse me, there are no neutral words. Even the words you think are, are, you know, not bad, if they're not in faith, they're not yielding good fruit. Yeah. Amen. The problem that Jesus seems to have is with careless words. Or we could say it this way, words that don't have any intention behind them. Something I've learned about studying the character and the nature of God is this. God never says anything unless there is intention behind it. God does not speak carelessly. Do you know why? Because God's words are so potent that anything he ever says has to come to pass. You know, if you go read the original Hebrew translation of Genesis chapter one, where God is creating the heavens and the earth, you know, we, we read it uh, in our English version and it says, let there be light. You know, God says, let there be light, as though it was a theater production. Yeah. Let there be light, you know. God didn't date, he didn't do that. There was nobody there to impress. What did he say? Light. You go read go read it in the in the Hebrew. What did what did God say? Light. And light was. God's words are so potent and they're so powerful that anything he says has to come to pass because he's God. So therefore, God never speaks unless there's intention behind it. God, God only says stuff that he wants to create. Yeah. That's the only things that ever come out of his mouth are things that he wants to create. Now, there's amazing implication in that for you and me because that means when God speaks a word to you, there's some kind of creative power and some kind of creative intention behind the thing that he has said to you. So you can put faith in what he says that it'll actually come to pass, amen? amen. This is why the Bible says that God cannot lie you ever thought about that why is it that God can't lie because everything he says comes to pass it couldn't not come to pass he couldn't it's impossible for him to lie everything he says works so there's incredible intentionality behind the words of God and the reality is there needs to be intentionality in your words and in my words that if we actually want to speak God's word in a way that causes change and transformation in our life and in our world, we're going to have to slow our roll and put some of God's word in our hearts and be very diligent to monitor what is coming out of my mouth right now. Glory to God. What's coming out of me right now? Hallelujah. The, uh, I, I thought about doing this visual, but... I decided not to for the sake of time. I didn't feel like going to the grocery store and buying a bottle of toothpaste, but it's an amazing visual, and I would usually borrow a child to come up here and help me, but if you take a whole uh, tube of toothpaste, it's real easy to squeeze all of it out, and I would just say, Abigail, come here and, and squeeze all this toothpaste out, and she would, and it would be fun. She'd laugh. We'd squeeze all the toothpaste out, and then I would have all this toothpaste on a plate in an empty tube and I'd hand her both and I'd say, okay, now put it back. And you can't do it. That's what idle words look like. That's what careless, unproductive, barren speech looks like. It comes out real easy and once it's out, it's not gonna do anything and you can't put it back. It's a powerful analogy, isn't it? The reality is, guys, I don't want to stand before Jesus someday and go, you know what? Lord, I wasted about half the things I said. Lord, you know, I thank you that you still love me. I thank you that your mercies are new every morning, and I'm still on my way to heaven. I'm not worried about losing my salvation or anything like that. But Lord, I really wasted a lot of my words. There's several places in the book of John where Jesus says, I only do the things I see my father do and I only say the things I hear my father say. Part of the reason that Jesus was so effective in what he did is he was very intentional about the words that he said. He didn't waste words. Amen. I want to leave you with three quick points As we get ready to wind down here. Y'all doing all right this morning? Amen. This is powerful, isn't it? It's not really like, this isn't like a goosebumps message. I mean, there's some inspirational things in it, but it's more of a challenge than it is anything else. But it's a good challenge. We need challenges from time to time. Three points that I want to leave you with. Number one, what we speak is what we truly value. What we speak is what we truly value. Your words are a built-in litmus test of what you truly value. What we speak is what we truly value. If we speak idle words, it's because our heart values idle things. Yikes. I don't know about you, but I want to get myself to the place that I'm valuing the stuff that God values. That's why we diligently put the word in our heart. That's why we diligently seek after God. What we speak, number one, what we speak is what we truly value. If we speak idle words, it's because our heart values idle things. Number two, this is a big one. Your words have enough spiritual authority to produce and create things in your life. Your words have enough spiritual authority to produce and create things in your life. Think about this now. Think about how much authority God has vested in every single human being on the planet. All of us. All of us have the capacity to speak good things or to speak negative and evil things. You've been given a lot of authority this morning. Amen. May we never lose that understanding. May we never fall short of, of, of remembering that truth. Your words have enough spiritual authority to produce and create things in your life. You may want to tag this on to number two. You are constantly creating either good or bad circumstances, outcomes, and environments with your words. You are constantly creating either good or bad circumstances, outcomes, and environments with your words. Number three, we'll close with this. Number three, you and I were not just made in the image of God, but we were also made in the likeness of God. Genesis chapter one, verse 26 says this. God said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness and let him have dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the cattle and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. God did not, we, see we talk a lot about being made in the image of God, right? Human beings were made in the image of God, especially after you get saved. Praise God, you've been reborn. You've been recreated in the image of God. And we leave out the likeness part. There are two different two different words in the Hebrew. To be made in God's image means that I resemble Him, I look like Him. Yeah. Just like my children, when you look at them, you can tell that they came from me and my wife. Abigail looks like me. Don't you? Yeah. Abigail looks a lot like me. Claire looks a lot like her mother. Sophia is a weird blend of both. <laughs> Amen. But you can tell somebody who's been made in the, in the image of somebody else, my kids, no matter what they do, are going to resemble my appearance. But to be made in the likeness of someone means that you become like that person. So my kids who could look like me may act nothing like me. That's their decision, not mine. You see, God created us not only in his image, but he also created us to be in his likeness. Meaning, as, as we walk through life, our job and our goal is to develop the likeness of God in us. That I want to be like him. I don't just want to look like him. I want to talk like him. I want to think like him. I want to respond the way he responds. I want to get so close to him that everything about me begins to reflect him, not just the image part. Because image is, is by default. Likeness is by practice. Glory to God. Image is by default. You're made in the image of God by default. Abigail looks like me no matter what she does. Doesn't mean she thinks like me. She'll think like me if she wants to. She'll talk like me if she decides that's who I want to be. And see, so you and I have been made not just in the image of God, but in the likeness of God too. It's interesting to me that after God says, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness, then he says, let him have dominion over the birds of the air. Let him, let him run this place. You see, you and I will never have dominion in our life until we embrace us being made in the likeness of God, which means I gotta get a hold of my big fat mouth. Amen? It means if I'm ever gonna get where God wants me to go in this life, I need to take stock and take inventory of the words coming out of my mouth. I need to start to take this word and put it in me until it becomes the abundance of my heart so that the word of God begins to come out of me effortlessly. Amen? I'm thinking of a quote by the great evangelist Smith Wigglesworth at the turn of the century. He said, be so filled with the spirit of God that when life presses on you, all that oozes out of you is the goodness of him. All that oozes out of you is the goodness of him. What if we got to the place, y'all, that the Word of God became our focused consumption? Just like loading bullets into that gun, right? Sometimes it feels dry, man. Sometimes you don't feel like you got anything out of it. I remember at the beginning of the year, I was attempting to read the entire Bible in the month of January, and I almost did. I got real close to reading the whole Bible in the month of January. But, man, I read through some... (laughs) Leviticus is dry, okay? Okay? I read through some stuff that didn't, they didn't excite me. But it's okay. It doesn't need to excite me then. It doesn't need to make any noise when I'm putting it in. It's just got to make a bang when it's going towards the enemy on its way out. Amen? What if we just made the word of God our focused consumption? Guys, it's going to require some things of us. It's going to require that we let go of some comforts. Amen. Putting the word of God in means that I'm going to have to yield some of my Netflix time. Amen. I got it. Amen. (laughs) No, putting the word of God means that I'm going to have to yield some of my Netflix time. I'm going to have to yield some time with the guys. I'm going to have to yield with... Yield some time with whatever. I'm, in other words, I'm gonna to have to make the word of God a priority because the last thing I wanna do is get in front of a bear and have an empty magazine. Last thing I wanna do is get in front of a bear and not have one in the chamber ready to go. Amen. Word of God. By the way, I'm not a violent person. That's what I say feel the need to make that disclaimer, Frankie. I'm not, I'm not a violent person, okay? I do support the Second Amendment, but I'm not a violent person. Amen. I have guns at home. Glory to God. Amen. Yeah, that's exactly right. Amen. Jeff's got enough guns for all of us, okay? So that's, that's true. And enough ammo to go with it. Yeah. But no, listen, I, the last thing I want to do is get into the field of battle. And be unprepared because I haven't prioritized the time that it takes to put the ammunition in my heart. I said this to you last week. My buddy Joey Roberts loves to say this. God's word in your mouth is just as strong as God's word in his mouth because it's his word. And he gave it to us as a tool to use. Amen. So I want to encourage you. Put some reins. Put a a bridle in your mouth. Put, Put a bit in your mouth. Put some reins on your heart, say, Father, I don't wanna, I don't wanna just run my mouth all the time. I wanna speak your word and I wanna see change. Amen. Let's stand up to our feet. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.